Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Encounter Church. My name is Dirk, uh, preaching pastor here at Encounter. I feel like I have to introduce myself because uh, I have been away for a little bit, and I want to recognize that. Uh, I'm also wearing a mustache this morning. Uh, it's a series. It's called, yeah, okay, that wasn't a punchline, but I appreciate it uh, nonetheless. Uh, it's a series called Respectable Sins. We're talking about the way that we use our words this morning. So as you use words to describe this thing that's happening on, the, on my upper lip, I just want you to be kind and to remember that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are watching. Okay. This morning we're in a series, uh, like I said, we're kicking it off, brand new, it's a three-part series, it's called Respectable Sins, and uh, on a more serious note, the idea behind this series is that, is that there's a lot of things that we do wrong, and in our heart of hearts we kind of, we kind of know are wrong, uh, but, but we do them anyway, in fact we, we do more than that, we, we sort of dress them up a little, and we sort of justify them, we, we refer to some things that, that we do, and we're like, well, I mean, that's... It's maybe wrong, but it's also very understandable. It might even be acceptable. We might even go so far as to call it necessary, right? It was necessary that I, that I stretched the truth because I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings, right? It's, it's respectable. It's necessary because, like, we all want the deal to go through. And so to move this process along and to get us all sitting around the closing table, I've got to say what needs to be said in order for us to get there. We all at the end of the day, want the same thing. So if I lie or if I stretch, if I do whatever, it's okay. It's a, it's a lie, but it's, it's dressed up. It's, it's respectable. And what we're doing this morning is we're, we're recognizing uh, the, the cost that comes along with that. And I hope throughout this three-part series, you're going to come to the end of this. And I hope that there's a part of each one of us that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, convicted uh, of some of my, some of my failings, some of my some of my respectable sins that are in my life. But as we move towards that, I don't want anybody to feel like you're being picked on or that you're like the only one who, who suffers from respectable sins. Uh, so I'm going to go first. And I'm going to share with you a story in my life. I've shared it before. I'll share it many more times in the future because you have to know what kind of person is leading the church that you attend. Uh, this story takes place uh, years ago. And... I was in high school, and I was a good kid. A lot of people will tell you. I was like youth group, you know, on the student leadership team in our youth group. There was like eight kids there, so I don't really know what we were leading, but that's beside the point. I was a truth teller most of the time. I realized looking back now, I was a truth teller when it didn't really cost anything not to be. Uh, I was a high school shop class when I uh, was taking a final exam, uh, I don't belong in a shop class. I'm not that handy of a person. I have no eye for details whatsoever. And, uh, and sometimes I've been known to, to cut a few corners along the way, especially when it comes to building something physical. And so I'm in shop class. I'm doing my thing. We've got an exam packet of projects that we've got to get through. It's time sensitive. I'm trying to move as quickly as I can. I pick out a welding project, which is probably my first mistake. Because somebody who doesn't have an eye for detail and cuts corners and shouldn't be trusted with an acetylene torch. But I've got my torch going and I've got my welding rod, my goggles and my big leather gloves. And I'm following the pattern and I'm hard at work. Right up until my welding rod drops out of my hand. And I know what I should do at the moment, right? You guys have had these moments in your life when you're like, okay, crossroads. You know, you should do the right thing or you do the easy thing. I know what I should do, but instead of doing what I should do, powering down the torch and safely 
taking the gloves and the goggles off and then starting it all back up again. I'm under the gun for the timing. So instead of doing what I should do, what I actually do is I look around and I'm like, nobody's around in the welding booth. They didn't want to do a welding project. That takes way too long. So what I do instead is I just kind of raise my torch up in the air like this. And I'm like, well, I'll just kind of keep it going. I'll lean down onto the ground and I'll pick up my welding rod. Of course, I've got these big leather gloves on. Like I can't quite pick it up all that easy. And so my torch is sort of like dipping down right into my exam packet. I get back up and I look and there I can see that I have burned a hole clear through my exam packet and now that flame is moving towards the edges. It's a good thing that I still have my leather gloves on because now I'm trying to like pat it out just to, just to get the fire out. I'm looking around. Did anybody notice I accidentally started a fire in the shop class? No. I hold up my exam and I'm like, I can see all the way through it. And again, I know what I should do. But what I actually do, I crinkle up my exam, I run it over to a waste paper basket in the corner, and I hide the evidence. I bury the body. And go up to my shop teacher. Um, Mr. Hunterfeld, I need a new exam. I lost mine. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I wouldn't have any like, more exams, so just go find it. It's not a big room. Figure it out. In fact, I'll come with you. We'll find it together. <laughs> he got to it before I did. <laughs> he pulls it up. He's like, <clears throat> uh, Dirk, I found your exam. And he looked, no lie, he looked through my exam <laughs> deep into my soul. <laughs> and I realized it's, I know what I have to do. I have to come clean. It's time. I've been busted. And so I looked him right in the eye and I said, I can't believe somebody stole my exam, burned a hole in it, and threw it away. Ah. <laughs> oh. That's what lying does. That's what sin does, right? It starts as something small. And then it just has this way of not staying small. It, it grows bigger. It's a little thing, but it has a huge outsized impact, especially compared to how it started. And on a more serious note, than all of that, I can tell you just how many times people, friends, couples have sat in my office. And it's the thing that happened but it wasn't just the thing that happened. In fact, almost every single time, what's infinitely worse than the thing that happened was all of the lies, all of the cover-ups, all of the avoiding that went around that thing over so many years that hurts far more than what the thing was in the first place. And so we can call it a, a misstep, we can call it a, a wrongdoing, but, but, but Jesus has a word for it and he shares that word over and over again. As respectable as maybe it sounds, as justifiable or acceptable, it is what it is. It's, it's sin. And throughout this series, we're, we're going to address some of these things together and just see what happens to it and see how these things tend not to stay small. In fact, they grow so big. Um, as we talk about uh, respectable sins, like I'm going to share these things with you, and, and it, is, it is not my hope and it's not my aim that that for the next three weeks, we're going we're gonna to get all sort of sad and depressed together as God sends us out into the week. The, the point isn't to stay just on our sin. The point is something far bigger than that. And I just, I want to be honest, is that I, I firmly believe that we can't 
fully appreciate what an incredible savior we have until we recognize how incredible our sin is that required such a great savior. And the other part of this thing is that throughout the story of God in the Bible, he he calls certain things out and he calls those things out, not because God just doesn't want you to have any fun. (laughs) He calls them out because because sin sin has a gotcha factor to it. Sin has a gotcha, and God just doesn't want it to getcha. There's like a, a trap element there that it might start small and acceptable, and it, and it almost never stays there. And so we want to recognize that, that this series could prevent some serious uh, harm to ourselves, to our relationships, uh, to the people around us. Also, it's a three-part series. Uh, it comes from this little book, Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges. Highly recommend it. Um, there's so many other things that are going to be covered than the three that we're going to get to in this series. Uh, and we're going to do those as kind of like midweek devotional. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, and we'll do some stories uh, just highlighting some other uh, respectable kind of dressed-up sins. Uh, things like impatience. Uh, things like pride. We'll get to so many more as well. Um, We're going to talk next week about losing our temper or brooding in silence, anger. Uh, Part three of the series, we're going to talk about like those glancing kind of quick looks or maybe a a fixed gaze and the justifications that we make of like, hey, listen, I'm not, I would never act on it. I would never do anything about that, about lust. And Jesus has a lot to say about these things as well. But today, coming back today, we're talking, we're talking about words. We're talking about words that we use And we're talking about words that we don't use that get us into trouble. It's the respectable sins uh, of the the tongue. And so just a couple quick examples, right? Because the foot of the cross is level ground and and we've all been there one place or another. Uh, Sometimes we are guilty of hitting the snooze button a few too many times as we're on our way into work. We know that we should have been there by now. And so we do the courteous thing and we tell our colleagues, hey, I'm going to be a few minutes late. Apologies, right? Kind of owning it, letting them know. It's, it's, it's a good thing to do. It's a professional thing to do. But then for whatever reason, many of us, we feel like we have to go the extra mile and to offer some kind of a justification. It's like, you're trying to get yourself off a hook that really only you put yourself on? Like, well, okay, I'm going to be late, but let me tell you why, right? It's not the snooze button. I'm not going to admit to that. No, no, I had car trouble. And it's like, why, why would you make up this other thing when nobody was asking you about that in the first place, right? Or we'll, we'll share some bit of information with somebody who is neither a part of the problem or a part of the solution. Because, hey, listen, this group over here, these people feuding, fighting, they could really use your prayer and gossip. It's the respectable sins of our tongues. Telling the truth, not telling the truth. Sarcasm, a scathing critique, scorched earth kind of mentality. There's lots of ways that we can, that we can get this thing wrong. Um, we, might call, we might dress it up. We might call it respectable. James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, he's got another word for it. James calls it a restless evil full of deadly poison. If you have your Bibles, we're going to flip to uh, those words of James uh, to hear why he calls uh, sins of the, of the tongue 
a restless evil full of deadly poison. We're going to James 3, verse 2. We're phone-friendly church as well. So the words are going to be on the screen, but I'd encourage you uh, as well to uh, use your favorite Bible app uh, to follow along and to, to take some notes to prolong this, this experience into our weeks. James starts off and he goes in verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. You know, and there's like a, there's a cop-out on this thing to be like, see, everybody does it. Everybody gets this thing wrong. I'm just one, a part of everybody. And James goes, oh, hang on there, <laughs> Captain, before we go down that road. Anyone who is, who is neither at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, I, I just think that's interesting that he, he starts with talking about Words starting to talk about this three-inch muscle in our heads called the tongue. But, but very, very quickly, in fact, right out of the gate, he is now talking about our whole body. And so he's going to have this theme that he's going to unpack here in just a moment that talks about this little three-inch muscle called our tongues inside of our heads has, has this huge outsized impact on the whole rest of our body. You see, way back in high school, in shop class, yeah, my tongue did the heavy lifting of lying, but my tongue wasn't the only person that, that failed the exam. <laughs> my whole body suffered the consequences. My tongue lied, but my whole body paid the price. You guys, come on, you guys know this. You've lived this. You've said something, and I've gotten trouble for it later. You know, it was your tongue that did the lying, but your whole body paid the price. That's just what James is talking about. Small part, huge, outsized impact. We can try to dress it up as much as we want to, but the impact is just there, and we, and we know that it's there. We just have to do something about it. James continues in verse 3, and he goes, We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, and we can turn the whole animal. Admittedly, I'm not a horse guy. I, just, I don't know anything there is to know about horses, but my, my daughter has a best friend. She's a, she's a horse person. Fortunately for me, my daughter it like didn't jump from friendship to her, so she's not a horse person, thank goodness. Uh, her friend is ninth birthday party. They all go out to a horse farm. What's it? I don't even know what it's called, like the, the horse farm. Ranch, thank you. Not the salad dressing. Um, they go to a ranch, and, uh, and they're, like, riding around on these things. And I'm watching, I'm watching my, my nine-year-old daughter, just this tiny little person, literally guide a thousand, thousand-pound animal. Just like a gentle pull on one side of the reins, a gentle pull on the other. It goes right, it goes left. Tiny part that bit in the horse's mouth. Huge, outsized impact. Maybe you're not a horse guy like me. Maybe you're a boat person. Verse 4, James says, or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. James calls out these huge contraptions that lots of people in that day and age saw these ships coming in and like the biggest vehicles they could imagine. And then you think about the sea and the, and the forces of the wind that moves them along and just think about the factors at play here and it's just huge, monstrous in fact. And he goes, yeah, the captain is behind the wheel and he just like moves it a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, just inches in either direction and depending on how far their trip is, that could be the difference of dozens or even hundreds of miles of, uh, to or away from the destination. Tiny part, huge impact, bits and rudders. Likewise, 
He continues on in verse 5. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes huge boasts. Think about this for just a second. Like how cruel this is as we talk about the ways that we, uh, the ways that we go wrong, the ways that we, we sin with our words. Every other muscle in your body will wear out, will get tired. But when we start down the path of a lie, like burning your exam and trying to hide the evidence, at no point did my tongue ever get tired of lying and just need a rest for a little while. It can just keep on going, getting the whole rest of my body into trouble. One more example he gives. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. If you were born and raised in West Michigan, like I am, forest fires don't have the same significance as some of our friends from out West. And it it didn't like hit me all that much until uh, a a couple of years ago. It was particularly bad. It's always particularly bad. But this time I was driving my kids to school and I had like read about it, you know, in the news, like in the feed, the fires come up and talk to some of my friends. But it became real as I'm like looking over, the sun is coming up, I'm going to school with my kids, and there's like this haze, this kind of like glow. You know, and I'm just struck with like, there was a storm, a spark, a match, I don't know how it started, but there was a fire thousands of miles away. And now my drive into school is like being affected. Like I can see that happening from this far in Michigan tiny, tiny part, huge, outsized impact. He talks about a bit, a rudder, a spark. I'm going to share one more, and I, I think it's going to land heavy, and I recognize that. And that's intentional. I think that If we're writing today, we might say cancer. It's a cell. Maybe a couple. But it doesn't stay a cell or two. It grows. It metastasizes. It takes over. And you could call it trivial. You could call it small. Irrelevant. You could dress it up into something else and call it respectable. But given long enough, it'll kill. Jerry Bridges, in Respectable Sins, says this. Sin is a spiritual and moral malignancy. Left unchecked, it can spread throughout our entire inner being and contaminate every area of our lives. Even worse it often will metastasize from us into the lives of the believers around us. None of us lives in a spiritual or social island. Our attitudes, words, and actions, even our private unspoken thoughts tend to have an effect on those around us. And he gives the example of gossip. And he says, when I tear down another person, I corrupt the mind of my listener. When I complain about the difficult circumstances of my life, I impugn the sovereignty and goodness of God and tempt my listener to do the same. In this way, my sin metastasizes into the heart of another person. 
And come on, we know this. We've seen it enough. You've journeyed with people through the, the horrible valley of the shadow of chemo and radiation. You've seen like the toll that that takes. And as you think of that image, I want us to also hear those words of Jesus on the world-famous Sermon on the Mount. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't choose to go after the, the big ones out there. He, he chooses not to go after murder or war crimes by the Romans. Yes, those are bad. We all recognize those are bad. But instead, what Jesus does is he goes after the single cell of cancer called anger growing inside of somebody's heart. And he goes, that's the seed that's going to grow up into murder. That's the seed. That's the cell that's going to metastasize into a war crime. It's right there, and it's inside of each one of his listeners, which includes us. And Jesus spent so long talking about the roots of all of these things because he's going, it's metastasizing, it's spreading, it's taking over. Don't wait for it to hit crisis stage before we address it. It's there right now. And we can do something by the grace of God. We can do something about it now while it's still small. While it's still respectable. If we have the courage to do so. And continues to amp it up, James does, the brother of Jesus. And he says, the tongue is also a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, small part, big impact sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself on fire by hell. You think, okay, James, that's a bit of an exaggeration. You're talking about a a bit, a rudder, a spark, and, and now we're escalating this thing to hell? Let me just ask, those of you, no show of hands, But those of you who had that experience of using your words and losing it with your words. You know that it's true that we often hurt most those we love most because we know what to say and just how to say it to like twist it in so bad. When you lose it with words and you go full on scorched earth on somebody that you care about, on your wife, on your kids, on your best friend. And you know just how to twist that knife. And there's like this silence right afterwards. Does it not just feel a little like hell in that moment? And the brother of Jesus is going, that's what's at stake. Everything that's at stake. Verse 7, he continues on all kinds of animals. Birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. And then he kind of makes his observation in verse 9. Let's go there. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. He's done with examples now, and he's about to land the plane, and he's just making this observation how strange that is. 
That like followers of Jesus that bear his name, Christians, would go scorched earth on God's children, his beloved people. Like people who follow after Jesus would treat the image bearers of God with such disregard with our words. And he's just simply saying how odd that is. Some examples of how odd it is, verse 11. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? I don't know. I'm not a spring guy either. (laughs) Verse 12. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? I mean, that would just be weird. That would be unnatural. Or a grapevine bear figs? Doesn't sound like it. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Ah. And James is like, guys, guys, like, it's weird, right? For Christians to scorch others or to lie, to be critical, to be sarcastic, to gossip, to, to sin with, with our words, with our mouth. I mean, it's just, it's just weird. It, it shouldn't be. It's, it's out of place. And I'd love to say that James, like, lands the plane with some helpful advice as we go into our week. But he doesn't. He just says how weird it is and unnatural. And then he moves on to an entirely new topic. And I wonder why. Something I've noticed about words is they mean more when you use fewer of them. They land heavier when you use fewer of them. I think that what James is doing is just naming it. How unnatural that is. And these words weigh 10,000 pounds. Listen. Step back. Our takeaway for this week, it's simple. It's easy to remember. It's very brief. Two words. Words matter. Words matter. Words matter maybe even more than you think that they should. Moms, Your words matter. You use a fair amount of them. The internet told me earlier this week that you'll use about 20,000 words today if it's an average day. And you will be tempted to believe that, that not all of them really count, that they're not making a difference. They are. Your kids hear you. Dads, this is going to sound unfair. Your words matter even more. Maybe it's because statistically you will only use 7,000 of them. (laughs) And they'll just land a little heavier. And you might assume that nobody's listening to yours either. But anecdotal evidence from my office your kids will be able to recite with precise accuracy both the exact words that you said and how it made them feel. Words 
matter. Every single one. And if I could just give some maybe unsolicited advice. Not, not James talking here, just maybe an older millennial talking to some younger millennials, possibly even Gen Z, if you could spare a moment. Lying is a skill not unlike shooting free throws, which is to say you can get better at it with time and with practice. My advice is to resist that temptation. Don't get good at lying. Just choose, make a decision, and stay by it. Don't hone that particular skill. It will not serve you well. It might serve you temporarily, but not in the long run. Not when the boss knocks and says, how's the project coming along? And you know what they want to hear. They want to hear, it's just about finished. And what you actually mean is, it's just about started. (laughs) Don't get good at lying. Don't get get good lying in in a relationship. How much were the shoes? It was a great deal, it was $70. For both of them or for just one of them, right? Don't get good at lying. Kids, growing up, where were you last night? What did you do last night? There was popcorn, there was a movie, there was nothing else. Was there? Don't hone that particular skill. It might seem acceptable. You could even dress it up to be respectable. It has a gotcha. God doesn't want it to get you. There's a a church friend of ours that asked for some confessions a couple of years back. And so real people like us shared how their words, both what they said and their words that they never said, haunts them. I would like us very much to hear these stories and just reflect for a moment on these words of Psalm 139. Search me, O Lord. See if there is any offensive way inside of me. Yeah, yeah, there's stories out there. There are the seeds right in here, in each one of them. One person wrote, in my whole life I have struggled with telling the truth. (laughs) My problem is that I hate to disappoint people. So when I've failed, when I've failed them, I lie about it. I also lie about trying to impress people and to convince people to do something that I want them to do. I confessed I've even lied to women in the past to try to get them to sleep with me. Another person said, I pretend that everything in my life is perfect. It's the words that I don't say. The truth is that I hate myself. My family and friends don't have any idea and no one knows that I think about harming myself every day. My husband thinks that I was a virgin when we were married. Not only was I not a virgin, 
but I had an abortion when I was 19. And now we can't get pregnant. And this next line, before I read it for you, it's a lie. But this is what it does when we don't speak up, when we don't reach out, when we don't say what needs to be said, when we live in isolation. We start to believe the lies. She said, I'm afraid God is punishing me for my lies. Pray for me. I don't know what to do. You can dress it up. You can say it's necessary. You might even call it respectable. But it's a trap. And it's growing. It's metastasizing. And the crisis point is coming. Words matter. That's the bad news. There's good news on just the other side of this, is that words matter. The source of the words that you hear matter. When you need to hear truth, when you need to hear words that land heavier than any other word has ever landed, I want you to go to the source of our breath and go to Jesus himself and say, God, you made me. What true words do you have for me? And he says, no matter what, you are my adopted child of God. What words do you have for me? I have a purpose and I have a plan for you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. Jesus, what words do you have for me? You have infinite value and worth and dignity is that you are loved to death and back again to new life. It's true words that matter. Sure, sin has a gotcha that God doesn't want to get you. But as you do that difficult work of Psalm 139 of opening up your heart and say, search me, know my heart. Is there an offensive way in me? Is there something that, I, that is in me that I don't yet see in me that you have already known about me as you expose that thing? And, and as you sit in the dressed up, respectable sin in your life, may it drive you in a powerful way to your Savior who knew that sin and already nailed it to the cross. John Newton, who wrote that fantastic song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the song that saved a wretch like me. Former slave ship captain turned repentant, converted pastor late in life, looks over at his friend as his health is failing, and he admits, my memory is fading, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. He's a good Savior. He's a great Savior. Let's pray to him now. Jesus, we come to you today. Maybe we are aware of our sin, maybe not. Maybe this week we're going to pray those words from a Psalm 139, search me, know me, see if there's an offensive way in me. 
And maybe, Spirit, you're going to convict us on something. Every time, Lord, that we are convicted in a new and fresh way about our shortcomings and failures, calling it what it is about our sin, may it in a beautiful way drive us into your faithful arms. Jesus, we pray this all in your powerful, resurrected name. Amen. Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.